We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. All right, welcome back, Panthers fans. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast. A little Cowboys-Panthers recap. We're going to take a look at what happened uh, in Big D against uh, a very good Dallas team as Carolina falls by eight on the road. Billy Marshall, how you doing, bud? I'm well. How are you? Doing well. It's a Monday. Uh, we're just talking about how tired we're both are. It's been uh, not only from, you know, obviously a work day, but, you know, some of the narratives out there you're going to see floating on the old Twitter scape and whatnot. But we're here to hopefully talk some sense into, you know, into the populace out there and bring some common sense to, to what we always try to do here in terms of looking at tape, looking at the stats, numbers, and uh, breaking it down. So I'll just start with you right off the bat here. You've had a chance to look at a little bit of what transpired yesterday. Of course, Carolina Falls at Dallas by eight points. Uh, what do you make of it, Billy? I know you were skeptical coming into this game. I was a little bit too. Uh, did it kind of go like you thought it would? Um, to the extent that they got bullied in the run game, not necessarily. Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously, whenever you lose a game like that, there's going to be disappointment. I think I was probably a little more disappointed with the coaching decisions that I saw than anything that happened on offense or defense flat out Dallas has more talent than Carolina. And that's what I tweeted last week. You know, I understand some people got took exception to it. Uh, and, and, you know, that's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, the uh, arbitrator of football opinion. That's just my opinion. I felt very strongly and uh, that Carolina is not in the same league as Dallas and their step of, of the rebuild in Dallas, they simply just have more talent. They have an elite quarterback. They have an elite offensive line. Uh, in my opinion, they have two of the, the best wide receiver duo in the NFL with Diggs and Cooper, or excuse me, not Diggs, um, Lamb and Cooper. Diggs, 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 played, Diggs played a little receiver yesterday though. Did he not? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but no, man, I just, I really felt like offensively and defensively, like we can nitpick at some of the things they did in certain situations. And I'm sure we will, but to me, I was just really disappointed with some of the coaching decisions and the in-game management. Those are issues that happened last year and they reared their head last yesterday. And it's just not very encouraging um, for you know, you have to just learn and pick up on stuff. Okay. And, you know, I want to stay positive with this team. They came out, they played really well for two quarters uh, and they had a good drive. Unfortunately, they missed the field goal. And from there, Dallas just kind of went on a crazy run and the game was essentially settled at that point. But I'm just like, I was really just disappointed with the coaching. I mean, burning the timeouts when they did, there's just no need for that. I mean, we've went over this many times. On top of that, some of the, I mean, the decisions that I, that I saw in certain situations, again, um, we can go through each one of them, but to me, that's the thing that really just irked me a little bit. And again, I understand he's a new, you know, he's a second year head coach, first time in the NFL, but I was just really hoping for some more consistency. And the second and one QB sneaks, whoever is calling it, if it's a quarterback, the head coach or the offense, Offensive coordinator or the QB coach. I don't know who it is, and I'm not trying to assign blame, assign blame on one person, but that that type of stuff, it really just has to stop. And again, there's just so much that um, you know, I can just nitpick here and there. But to me, I really just want to hope that this coaching staff can improve upon their in-game management. And it starts with the head coach. It certainly does, Billy. We talked about this a good bit last year, even early in the season. Obviously, you get a bit of a hall pass if you're Matt Rule in terms of managing some of those situations in your first year. Your second year, you want to see some progress there. And I certainly understand where you're coming from. I, I Just to kind of echo that point here, I, I'll be the one to say it. I don't care. Um, look, they're, they're, our job is not to, I think, as you mentioned before, not to tell people how to be a fan. Um, but we're not paid to wave pom-poms. I'm certainly not. I know you're not. And our analysis, I, I don't know if, you know, whatever people are tweeting out there or saying about analysis maybe being a little too harsh, if that applies to us, fine. Your, your valid opinion is, is yours and, and go for it. But I'm just telling you right now, we're not, at least I'm not going to lie to people when I look at the tape or when I look at a game and see something that's out of whack or, or something that's below – what their standards should be just for the sake of hoping that they're better than they are. And, and part of that is leading up to this game. You know, Billy, you were very vocal about Carolina not quite having the talent level, potentially in terms of maybe the total package, the depth, maybe the high-level talent that Dallas does at certain positions. Carolina doesn't have that right now to hang for four quarters. And I think you just saw that in the third quarter. It's a situation where it's not only, you know, situational calls that are off here – you just get worn down a little bit. And teams like Carolina that have a new quarterback here learning the system, still not fully processing things. There's another soft spot with fans out there. I know we're, you know, we criticize Sam Darnold at all for anything, and, and people, some out there, lose their minds. Well, I'm telling you right now, and you've been very vocal about this. I know what I see on tape as well. There are still some processing issues. I'm looking at some tape tonight on some of these throws he made, the interception. Oh, there's pressure there, the first one, but you've got – more running the deep over there. You've got Marshall wide open on the boundary. And I know there's some problems, again, with interior pressure. 
but you got to throw it with anticipation on some of these. And, and Carolina, talk with my brother about this. It, it's going to be a long season if they continue to miss deep shots. They're going to have to hit on these because they're there. It's just not happening. I, I can't be too critical of Joe Brady, and I haven't been. I don't think you have either. I think we've been very fair. He's scheming things up nicely. Um, but, you know, some of the QB sneak stuff, yeah, I, I do like what they're doing, like in terms of getting Sam involved in the running game down inside, you know, the five. I think that's smart. Uh, I think, you know, when the field shrinks, maybe Sam struggles a little bit, and that's a good way of just getting him active and getting him in a position with McCaffrey out now to, to be a threat and an extra person you have to account for in the run game. But, I mean, Billy, if we just want to start with the offense here, we'll, we'll kind of go through our usual routine here and, you know, maybe not position by position, but just kind of in general. A lot's been made of the offensive line. I know the protection's not great. Help our listeners understand what you're seeing on tape in terms of Sam, the good, the bad, and then the protection stuff up front as well as the run blocking. I mean, it's, it is what it is at this point. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not someone who's going to excuse some of their performances. Like, it's probably a bottom third unit in the NFL, but, like, I, I've, we've seen worse offensive lines for that have come from this franchise and by no means did they play like amazing yesterday but I don't think they were the reason we lost the game offensively I think there were other uh, areas where they really didn't play well and again you have to be good in the the up front like I don't deny that I just I mean we can do this weekly like charade you know for as long as we want but to me, it, there's just other areas where I'm a little more concerned. Um, and I just hope that they, those areas can be fixed uh, if this team wants to maintain any sort of relevance uh, in the long term. Well, just for this season, at least. Uh, and I believe those issues are the quarterback has to be better. And you have to figure out, like, what are they going to do about filling this tight end void? Like, I know a lot of people just, like, laughed off the Dan Arnold trade. But, like, I mean, I'm seeing the guy, like, two days of practice, and he's already, like, catching passes for the Jags. So, to me, like, I, I really think a tight end is very important in a play-action offense like this. And I'm someone who's very high on Tommy Tremble's potential. And... I mean, where, where was the tight end involvement yesterday? We didn't see it at all. The, the, nothing over the middle of the field. A lot of the middle of the field shots were just DJ Moore after Donald went through like two to three of his progressions. We have to see the tight end get involved in this offense. I mean, we saw it get involved the first three weeks. So in my opinion, if this offense wants to continue to get better, that has to become a focal point. And it, it's just, I'm not sure if, the talent there, Tremble and Thomas, are really ready to step up. I believe Tremble will be ready in a few years to take that position by himself, but I think it's a little premature, as we discussed last week. But, I mean, I was encouraged by a few things offensively. I thought they ran the ball uh, pretty well, much more effectively than I thought they would, uh, especially on the right side. Between the right guard and right tackle, they average like over seven yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a couple times where – I think oh, one more thing about the run concepts is that they were much more successful running uh, outside of uh, the tackles. And you saw that a few times, a lot of those pin and pulls, a lot of those sweeps uh, running you know, through the A gap and hovered at a couple nice runs through there. But to me, uh, their better runs were when they went outside of Taylor Moen or 
Uh, I think there was one that outside of the left tackle too. Um, so I was pretty encouraged by the run game despite McCaffrey's loss. Uh, but again, I, I just think for me, the offensive line, and it is what it is. And there's just not going to be a quick fix. I mean, they've already given up their second and their third round picks next year. They aren't going to trade for, you know, some left tackle that was out there. I just think we have to ride, ride through it. And I really believe that this offensive line is fine enough. It's not good, but it's good enough to win games. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think so, too. I think a lot was made of Cam Irving in the offseason. You and I were, you know, discussing that quite a bit. And I wasn't a big fan of the signing. Elfline, obviously, has been missing some time here, and that is what it is. Uh, I think the injury – not the injury, the COVID absence of John Miller did hurt a little bit in terms of continuity. But they were able to bridge that gap a little bit against, you know, teams that I don't think we feel were quite up to the standard of Dallas – and that's kind of what happened. They just ran into a team with Dan Quinn running some really good stuff up front right now. Uh, obviously, they've got plenty of talent. Uh, they are doing some really effective things in terms of, you know, showing multiple stuff in terms of coverages, but also playing fundamentally sound. And I just think Carolina's time was up with the offensive line. It was four games in. It was bound to happen. There was bound to be one of those games where Sam's going to get hit 11 times. That happened. Carolina on the other side, we'll get to that in a minute, not nearly as effective. And I think we both understand why that is. We'll get into that. But, yeah, the tight end play is a thing that we've talked about, Billy, for a couple years now. And I'm not going to sit here and slander Joe Brady. We won't do that. But Ian Thomas, 44 snaps. Tommy Trimble, 27 snaps. Colin Thompson, 12 snaps. You look at the target share, Ian had three. Uh, Trimble had one. That's it. And that's all they've got in terms of target share for tight ends right now. Obviously, they had Rodney Smith in the game, the running back, who did not do a great job in pass protection at times, but was very active in the passing game. Zilstra made a big play. But it is disappointing. I agree. You know, you come into this offense thinking, you know what, it's going to mirror a little bit of what they did at LSU, a little bit of what, you know, Sean Payton does down there in New Orleans. And you got to think a tight end's got to be involved. And Dan Arnold, we were thinking, would be sort of that guy. And Trimble, as you know, we've talked about this plenty of times, was not a high-volume pass-catching guy at Notre Dame. He's still learning how to do this. He's a good blocker. I have no problem there. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think the offensive line is what it is. I don't think there's going to be anything midseason coming about here. I, I, you never know with Scott Fitter or Billy. You know the deal. It's, <laughs> he's in on every deal. But I think they've spent about as much capital as they want to right now. Yeah, I mean, we just have to roll with it. And, again, I don't think it's as bad as people just, you know, throw it out there. It's not good. But come on, guys, like there's there's just a lot of reps, too, where I feel like the QB could do better because like a lot of people got on my case about one of the sacks where I saw that it I felt that he could have done a little better. And is it nitpicky? Yes. I was watching JT O'Sullivan's breakdown of Darnold last week. And one thing he mentioned about uh, an issue with Darnold is he tends to drift a lot in the pocket, uh, his base, especially when he's. Uh, getting ready to release the ball is still inconsistent. And I know that's something that you've seen too. Um, But to me, there's just like, we've seen him create and reset his pocket base, not only out of structure, but also like within structure. So like if he's, you know, if if like a, someone defensive tackle is coming through like the B gap, I've seen him find new air, like a, a new platform to throw the ball. We've seen it. We've seen him throw on the run. So to me, it's not a case of he can't do it. He can. He's just being – it's very inconsistent right now, I think. 
Panthers fans, football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Panthers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? Well, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Look, there's storylines all over the place for the Panthers this year at Bank of America Stadium. Between the offense clicking, the defense playing lights out, be there to see it all. Visit TickPick.com Roar today and use the promo code Roar to save $10 on your first order of Panthers tickets. That's TickPick.com Roar, promo code Roar. Yeah, I agree. So that's where they're at, obviously, with the offensive line. I, I've said this multiple times at camp. Um, you know, there were, there were some, some decent moments, but overall, I just could tell this unit was going to struggle in terms of holding up against the pass. I don't think it's been as brutal as advertised. I think it takes a unit. Um, I, I will say, like, Robbie Anderson's doing his job. I have no problem with him. I'm looking at tape on him. He's running good routes. He's not taking plays off. I'm fine with how he's playing the game. They're just not connecting. And that, that's going to have to happen at some point. And I think it'll come in bunches with Robbie and Sam. I would hope so. It's kind of how it worked with Teddy. Um, DJ's been great. I mean, I, I think he's refined himself a little bit, but he's just so physical out there. I mean, he put Parsons on his ass, Billy. And that's not easy. Parsons had a hell of a game, by the way. But that, that's not easy. He's a bowling ball out there in the open field. And it's fun to watch him. Marshall, you know, Again, I've seen him open a few times, but he hasn't been connecting. We'll have to see if his, you know, numbers increase in terms of uh, the targets. But he's not getting the ball a lot. And, again, McCaffrey, it looks like he's going to try to practice Wednesday, according to multiple reports. We'll have to see, uh, you know, how that looks. I don't know if I'd rush that back too soon. But it depends on what their mindset is right now. And they're 3-1. and one. They're in the mix for a playoff race since the first quarter of the season. Philadelphia, you know, Look, they're they're not great right now, but they've got some game people up front that can get pressure and do some things. So we'll preview that game a little bit uh, down the road there. I just think offensively, I do like yeah. this about Sam. His, Sam's his last point here, Sam's toughness, I, I like that. These are some of the intangible things, obviously, that go beyond some of the, you know, the the, the analytics and the, the film study that we do. But you can see this on tape. The toughness is there. He's doing a good job. He's physical. He's a hard guy to bring down in the run game, which is nice. Um, especially down there inside the five, but, but also making some pretty big throws late in games, you know, sort of in that Houston game, I saw some of that in this game, obviously they're playing a little softer coverage late, but he still stood in there with some pressure, made good throws. He's a tough guy. And I like that, but the, the footwork's got to get better. The processing from my view, at least from what I see, and I could be very wrong on this, but just the anticipation and processing just needs to continue to improve and that'll ultimately decide, Billy, if this is their guy long-term. That's why there's only a fifth-year option ahead of him. There's no five-year extension here. You know, they're, they're going to audition him, much like they did with Teddy, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, if I could just say, the, I thought the offense actually moved the ball really well, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know how you felt about that. Oh, I thought it was fine. I thought that third quarter, I mean, let's talk about that. This is where, to me, again, people have different opinions on what lost this game. It's never just one thing, in my opinion. But, you know, they drive down the field. They're in a position to, to continue to drive down the field. 
Um, they end up in a position where they settle for a 50-plus yard field goal attempt, and it's no good. Um, from there, it doesn't take Dallas long, only a few plays. And that's what killed them is the chunk plays in that quarter, as well as the two interceptions. And those are just things you can't do. They're, they're leading the game at halftime, Billy. They're moving the ball quite well on the road, operating the offense efficiently without McCaffrey, with an offensive line that still has suspicions here in terms of their ability to hold up. See, so, yeah, I agree with you, Billy. I thought the offense moved fine. You just you can't give a team like Dallas, you know, two turnovers and a missed field goal with field position in a matter of like six minutes. That's unacceptable. Yeah, I thought Joe Brady had his best game of the season. I, I was just very impressed with how they were able to score four times in the red zone. I mean, we've talked about the red zone issues and we thought it would be an issue or not an issue, but we um, mentioned that this is an area that they have to improve this year. And they went four for four yesterday uh, in in that area. And I think what you saw having DJ Moore line up in the backfield really created a lot of conflict for those Dallas defenders. They were very confused at that. They they just didn't know how to defend it. So I expect like a lot of teams are now going to carry over that blueprint whenever they, played um, whenever they faced Dallas. And I don't know, like even the uh, Donald second touchdown was just a great call. Like it was an RPO. Like you could have looked at the, the bubble screen where you got the guy going in motion and that uh, Parsons gets uh, held up there and he kept, keeps going because he's falling the back in motion, opens up the gap. Uh, Paradis had a really nice block there on the defensive tackle and uh, Donald had a huge lane. Uh, so to me, I thought uh, Joe Brady called an excellent game. Uh, we saw, uh, some missed opportunities in the deep passing game, uh, particularly to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Uh, so I really thought this offense could produce even more than what they did. I, I know 14 points after three quarters isn't great. And, uh, you know, some of them are some of the uh, production late in the fourth quarter. I know Trevon Diggs wasn't playing and yeah, I don't know how much chalk that up to garbage time or whatever, but still it's um, just, the totality of it, like you said, the first half was excellent. Uh, the first drive in the third quarter, great. But, you know, the turnovers, I, I just I just think killed the game off at that point. And, uh, you know, Dallas was essentially just playing with house 20 in, you know, the fourth quarter. It really didn't, didn't seem like they were giving 100% effort. No, not at all. 24 first downs for Carolina in the game, 13 by the air. Uh, two of those through penalty, but we'll, we'll get to the officiating, I'm sure, in this game in a minute. Third downs, they were four of 13, but three of three on fourth down, which was impressive. And again, to your point, four out of four in the red zone. Um, That's good stuff. And I I like some of the stuff, like I mentioned earlier, the four-by-one motion where the play you just mentioned, where Darnold's got the open lane, getting the good block inside. And uh, it's an effective way to use him. And he's up to, I think, five rushing touchdowns now. So, again, production's production. We've, We've talked about this with Newton over the years. It's the same with Sam. But, yeah, I mean, we've got to see Sam improve. We've got to see the line improve. And, uh Obviously, if you want to see some more tight end involvement, McCaffrey getting back in the lineup would be nice. I think you're right about DJ Moore, the option route he ran there, putting him in the backfield, sort of what they did with Samuel last year when things got a little bit murky with McCaffrey being out. It was a nice little creative wrinkle. I like that. So good on Joe I mean, hopefully this – yeah, no, man. I, I really hope this kind of quiets down the Joe Brady haters, if there's any left. Yeah, I think they've kind of – yeah, I, I think they're going away. It's like – we, we were there for we were there for Phil Snow last year, Billy. We're going to be here for Joe Brady this year. Um, speaking of Phil Snow, and you just reminded me of another coaching mishap that Matt Rule did, but I'm gonna, oh. I'll save it. Okay, well, yeah, fine. no, it's just it's 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 not going for two points after you scored a third touchdown, oh, okay. even after the yeah. fourth. 
Yeah, because I mean, there's, 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 there's a debate out there. Just real quick, there's a debate out there about how and it's a debate uh, that I'm not interested in having really. But do you go for two early and know what you need later, or do you wait until the last minute to go for two? And I think I've come around to I think the, the analytics community in general, and it's I don't know if it's common sense, but I think the numbers would indicate to a lot of people that going for it early gives you control, you know, of what you need ahead of you. So I can see, I can see where that. Yeah. Is. I mean, yeah, sure. Even if you don't get it, it's 30, <clears throat> it's 36, 20. It's still a two possession game. Two possession, yeah. So like, if you don't get it, like after your second, um, after your third touchdown, I mean, then you have an opportunity after the fourth touchdown to make it 36, 28 again. And John, like they were four for four in the red zone. Like their red zone offense was killing it with the creative designs that Brady was really, you know, attacking Dallas with. So to me, like, I really thought they should have put a little more trust in there because I thought um, maybe like if this was against, you know, the saints or the jets where their red zone struggles were amplified, then maybe you can kind of consider extra point. But to me, I'm just looking for the coach to – because, like, uh, the NFL, there's just so much parity. Like, even a team like the Lions or the Jets or the Jaguars, these teams who are not really good, the talent level is still pretty close. So you're, you have to search for ways to create margins. And I feel that coaching, especially in-game management, is such a huge advantage to create margins for your team to improve. And – I just really hope, and again, I, I'm sorry for continuing to belabor this. I really just want this coach to get better at that. And I think he will. He seems to, seems to have a lot of humility, and he's consistently learning. Uh, but I just don't – I hope it's not a trend. I think you're right. So Matt's going to be fine. I, I had the privilege of covering him at camp this year, and I was impressed with not only you know the way they structured their practice, but – the way he was involved, he's coached every position group. I like him a lot. I want him to succeed, but we have to be honest when we see something that looks a little amiss, and I think that's totally fair. Uh, defensively, Billy, I mean, you know, I think we talked about this pregame on our spaces meeting with our uh, listeners out there. we got a few listener questions. We'll chime in in a minute and get your opinion on that. But, you know, we talked about maybe not inviting the running game to this extent, but, but being, you know, sort of okay with the – idea that Dallas could go for maybe buck 50. I mean, this was something that they do. They have two very good backs with two skill sets. Seek is a, a workhorse, uh, but they go for 250. I mean, nearly 250 here. They're, they're upwards of 247, whatever it was. It was a mess. Um, schematically, you know, I, I don't know if you saw anything. I haven't looked at the tape yet, but can you help me understand and our listeners as well? Was there anything scheme wise that concerned you? Or was it just a matter of, hey, this is a, a, a Dallas offensive line that's traditionally very good and two very good backs? Yeah, I, I think that in order to beat Dallas, this is a team that's going to win 12, 13, maybe even 14 games this year. This is a very good team. And I would even go as far as to say that they are the best team in the NFC. Um, if you had them in Tampa play on a neutral field right now, I think that Dallas would win. I think uh, they got kind of unfortunate there you know, Thursday night football, pretty emotional, and they should have won that game. Uh, so let's just get that right off the bat. This, to me, this offense reminds me of those Colts offenses when they had Peyton Manning, Edron James, Marvin Harrison, Dallas Clark, uh, Reggie Wayne. You know, th this is an elite offense, bottom line. All right. And 
the way to beat this type of offense is you have to make the quarterback get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. What's the best way to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands? Invite them to run the ball. The Chargers did that week two, and Pollard and Elliott ran for like over 150. But if you recall, the game came down to a 56-yard field goal at the last second. So you have to shorten the game. You have to you can't give them possessions because the turnovers were obviously a killer. Uh, but to me, I didn't have too much of an issue with the schematic um, tendencies that were employed by Phil Snow. I think my only issues were the amount of man coverage and blitzes that they were doing. I think you have to adjust in that situation against uh, a team like this. Another issue I had was I'm not sure who's responsible for this. I don't know if it's the defensive coordinator or if it's the D-line coach, or if it's just the players, I don't like having Brian Burns and Reddick like rush up field into creating such huge rush lanes for a quarterback that is totally fantastic totally in the pocket. Agree. Because, John, I'm telling you this right now. You do that against Jalen Hurts, and don't get me wrong, Jalen Hurts is not like Dak Prescott. Hurts is going to run for 150 yards on Sunday. He'll, he'll go for a buck 50. I was going to say, that's something I'm concerned about, Billy. Look at it. I am very concerned about the Eagles this week for that very reason, because – I am too. You have to, yeah. like, if you're going to bring these overload blitzes um, that they've been doing and just really trying to confuse uh, offenses, like, I'm all for it. But it's going to create voids in a rush lane. So, to me, the best, like, Carolina has a very talented front four. We mentioned this. Like, why, I, like, I understand that they want to be true to their identity, but you also have to adjust uh, when your personnel doesn't really meet the the scheme that you're trying to trot out there and, and so like it's fine to rush with four guys and maybe you want to have a couple guys dropping on coverage and spy i think that's fine too uh but you're missing jc horn already you're missing justin burst who i think is a very good safe can you saw his absence i didn't think i thought sam franklin with all due respect was the worst player in defense yesterday he was um uh, I don't want to. Well, they had, some, they had some breakdowns back there. I could see. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I mean, I thought Chandler was fine. I thought Chin. He had a couple rough moments, but uh, yeah, Franklin. He he didn't look good yesterday. In run support or in coverage, uh, and I just think you got to make it simple. Do go back to the formula that you had last year in certain situations. Just really, you know, drop some guys, play some little zone coverage. Right now, the only sure tackle you have on your defense is Dante Jackson in the secondary, I should say. So. Just make it everything simple. Just simplify things, okay? And you know what? If if this week you go out and you throw out the same formula that won you the first three games, then fair enough, I'll eat my crow. But to me, I really think they got to just make everything a little simpler. You have a new cornerback that you just acquired. Don't put too much stress on these guys because uh, you're having these injuries and Shaq Thompson might be out now. Just make it simple and really try to kind of alleviate some of the uh, issues that you have with your personnel right now. Yeah, Shaq uh, Thompson, according to uh, a couple of reports out there, Joe Person, I think, had it first tonight. This is on a Monday night, by the way, as we come to you on the Roar Podcast. John Ellis, Billy Marshall here. Uh, Shaq Thompson, who leads the team in tackles, uh, right up there in terms of tackles for loss and interceptions right now. Looks like he's going to be week to week with a foot issue. We don't know the extent, but that never sounds good. Um, They've obviously – signed a player off their practice squad. I believe it's Kamal Martin, who played for Green Bay last year. Uh, had some good action, looked pretty good on tape, but again, it's not Shaq Thompson. So that's that's a spot of bother for them right now. they got to be concerned about that. Some of the things defensively, when you look at what happened, I think you're right. Maybe more, more of a mush rush, net kind of containment 
plan would have been better for Dak because the, the rush lanes, you can't be undisciplined there. And I think they not only in terms of inside, you know, guys like Martin, they did a great job. And, you know, uh, Smith as well on the left side, just tremendous of controlling and anchoring some of the pass rush moves that Carolina has been having success with, success with in terms of Morgan Fox, Burns, Reddick looping all over the place. I mean, I saw Reddick on one. Um, geez, I'm trying to remember the play, but he was – he was very close on a sack. I believe it might have been the touchdown throw. It wasn't almost a sack. It's a touchdown throw to Cooper on the boundary on the out and up. And Reddick was there in a hurry, but he just maybe looked a step slower. I know he was dinged up yesterday. They were just – Dak gets rid of the ball so quick. And, and to your point, sometimes you just have to be a little more patient with your rush there. Sorry, I'm not going to compare him to Michael Vick. It's not like that. I would say Hertz has some of that escapability. And the way Carolina Absolutely. used to struggle with Vick – it was always over-pursuit. It was always Peppers, Rucker, way, way out of bounds in terms of their pursuit lanes. And they finally got a hold of it in 05 when they were they, – they, I just called it building a net. They just netted the quarterback in the pocket and made him make a decision. Dak is so good, though. That's the thing. We talked about this, what Matt Rule said about him being, you know, on that Drew Brees, Peyton Manning arc right now in terms of processing. I just don't know if they could have matched up and stopped them. They could have done some things better. Obviously, but I just think it was destined to be a very efficient game for Dak. It was. He didn't throw for 200. didn't really matter. He didn't have to. They handed the ball off, you know, multiple times. They ran for 200-plus yards. Um, some of the calls, Billy, you know, is unfortunate. I don't want to, you know, sit here and have a pity party about officiating. But, obviously, the, uh, the Jeremy Chin form tackle was excellent, and that was, you know, sort of a big play in the game there. Yeah, I mean, officiating across the NFL yesterday was a disaster. I mean, you saw that. awful the alleged offside by the Pittsburgh and then oh, uh, I mean, they, they missed a very clear false start in the Tampa New England game yeah. that uh, yeah. didn't benefit the Bucks at all. Did you um, see that false start by he and, and like when right? I think was it Isaiah? Yeah, I mean, Shaq Barrett was like calling it out. The guy was like, <laughs> right. literally like, I, I've right never seen such tackle. a blatant false start. <laughs> I, I, I was watching it on TV with the broadcast copy and I could even tell. <laughs> they showed the replay, the tight, the tight shot replay, and right when the, the left tackle flinched, he like ducked his head, like "oh shit," <laughs> and then the play just kept going. I was like, "Well, he got away with one there," but it was bad. I mean, what are you gonna do? It was a great tackle by Chen. I mean, that was you know, God, that guy's a beast. I was talking to our friend Cody Alexander this morning. He sent me a, a DM. He's like, "Man, you know, Chen, Chen is something else." I said, "Yeah, you know, we've been talking about him here. He's just he's transcended, but." He's obviously on a bit of an island right now. I mean, like you said, you know, Burris is out, Horn's out. I think the Horn thing's pretty big. Obviously, they did a pretty good job in coverage, I think. I mean, I haven't, again, I haven't looked at the full All-22 yet because that's the NFL for you. But CeeDee yeah. Lamb was targeted five times, two grabs, 13 yards. Um, so I was, you know, pleased there, I guess. I, you know, they didn't throw a lot, but when they did, as my dog checks in the background here, when they did throw – um, yeah, your dog is kind of hyped up about shutting down CD Lamb. <laughs> Sparky, Sparky wants uh, some more of that next week uh, against uh, some very dangerous weapons there in Philly. But yeah, I think Billy, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. I mean, it came right down to the end there. They had one stop to make, and and what what did they call the play we've talked about for years? The speed option, right? Borrowed it from our old good pal Sean Payton. <laughs> uh, I do want to say one thing though. I, I really do think like. You know, I think the defense is getting a little bit of a hard time. And don't get me wrong, they got bullied up front by Dallas. But th if those two turnovers don't happen, I, I really think 
Carolina's in this game. And that just gets back to my point that I tweeted about during the game. It's like you really have to have an efficient and like in order to uh, have a sustainable franchise year after year, you have to have a good offense. You just have to. You have to invest in that position. You have to have a good quarterback and a good offensive line, good skill players. I mean, they have a good skill player. Quarterback is to be determined. Uh, but the the offensive line is obviously not great, but you have to invest in that position because, yes, having a good defense matters. But let's just look at the past few years, some of these great vaunted defenses, how they're doing. Washington, everyone talked about how great of a defense this is. They're having one of the worst defenses in, in the NFL this year. Terrible. I don't, know what, I don't know what they're doing either schematically. I have no idea what they're trying to do. Yeah, 49ers a couple years ago, this great vaunted defense. It's going to stick around. Well, they don't look like it anymore. No. The Jaguars, 2017. <laughs> That's another case. The Broncos in 2015. Like, they, didn't, they haven't made the playoffs since then. Yeah. So, to me, look at the teams that are having good offenses. They make the playoffs year after year. The Chiefs. Uh, we're going to see the Bucks. obviously. We're going to see the Packers. And, yes, those teams have elite quarterbacks. But it's still an area that you, in order for, I'll just give you an example, the Rams, for example, like Jared Goff is not like an elite quarterback, but they made the playoffs year after year. And they're going to make the playoffs again this year. They lost their defensive coordinator. They're having a defensive regression, but the reason that why they're playing so well, and the same thing goes for the Cardinals is because they have good offenses. And I think you really have to, if you really want to create sustainability in the NFL, you have to have a great, offense and i think that's what this team should be striving for so yeah like it, it sucks what happened to the defense they got bullied but if they really just didn't do those two turnovers and the offense kind of mm-hmm. kept up in those situations then i really think we're talking about a different outcome maybe I, it's I do too. Wins, but i mean those turnovers and just the inability to move the ball in the third quarter offensively really killed them yeah, I, I agree. I mean, again, I just talked about this. You know, it drove the ball right downfield on third third quarter opening drive there. Nice play. I mean, they open up with a seven-yard gain, but there's a penalty, so they're back up a little bit first and 13. Big play to D.J. Moore. Uh, they get Robbie Anderson involved on an end round. Uh, a couple of incompletions on second and third and seven, and then they trot from the 36-yard line once again. Fourth and seven, you're kind of what many would consider to be no man's land. You're kicking a 54-yard field goal. Uh, some would say take the delay and punt. Ugh, I don't know about that. Some would say go for it, but you're coming off two straight incompletions. I don't know. So you have faith in a kicker to make a kick. He's got to make the kick. He doesn't. Three plays later, Dallas is in the end zone. It didn't take long. And, you know, that's just what happens when you're on the road and you face a good team. Things do spiral from there. You know, another sack, another punt, another touchdown. Then you get two interceptions. Ball game's over at that point. They're chasing points at that point. They made it exciting at the end. I thought that showed a lot. But once again, you can't afford to put yourself in that hole. Credit to Joe Brady and his offense for getting them back in a good position. Hey, you know, credit to the defense. They had some good stops. They made some good plays. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the talent on the field. And I just think most people who really understood the tape looked at Dallas. I mean, look, I didn't make a prediction this week. I was so torn. But at the end of the day, I just told you before the game, you know, (laughs) Have a hard time handicapping Carolina with a win here. I just couldn't see it. And, you know, next week is different. It's a different story with Philly. Obviously, we'll preview that. Um, any final thoughts, Billy, as we head into uh, week five of the 2021 season? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone should really make any type of uh, grand proclamation on the direction of this team or this franchise. 
after this result. Uh, this is Dallas is a very dangerous team. They're going to be playing deep in January. There's no, I understand there's no moral victories and there shouldn't be because uh, maybe they're a couple of their touchdowns. Dallas really wasn't playing hundred percent, but uh, to me, the real test of where this team is, uh, is going to come in the next few weeks. I think that Philadelphia and Minnesota uh, at home, they present two good opportunities for this team to bounce back. And we'll, we will, uh, as fans and analysts, will we'll really know where this team is at. So maybe just ignore the noise. Some teams, people are going to call the Panthers frauds, whatever. Just remember, try to keep perspective. They are in the second year of a rebuild. Uh, they are ahead of where they should be. Uh, and they still have an opportunity to right the ship uh, these next few weeks. So yes, the loss stinks, but uh, by no means is their season derailed or you know they aren't a good team. They are still a good team, in my opinion, uh, but they have to. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.